John, and chapter 4 will be our text this morning. Somewhat of a long text, but there is much in store, I trust, for each of us. Welcome, welcome. I love this church. I love the reason that this church gathers every single Sunday. I love the one who we are applauding and singing to. Do you you realize this? Do you realize this? Like your singing in worship to the Lord matters a thousand years from now. Think, Think about so much of what we do. I, I'm a, you know this, I'm a baseball fan, watched the World Series this week, Game 7, people are, are wearing jerseys and they are shouting and cheering, that is like so cool. I, I have no idea who won the World Series two or three years ago, we forget it. People cheer for things that disappear, that dissipate. And yet this morning you sang and you applauded to the one who knows you and if you have put your trust and you're a follower of Jesus, and your praise and your applause matters forever and ever. My prayer is that you have put your trust and your faith and your following Jesus. And if you have not done that, then today would be the day that you follow Jesus. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we jump into this text? We continue on in our series Um, I need the Lord's help this morning as always, and we need his spirit to teach us. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for every person that is here in this church. I thank you for this church that was established more than three decades ago and for what you have called us to do today. I thank you, Lord, that when we sing of you that our praises matter because you matter. Father, I pray right now that your, your spirit would awaken us. Lord, um, enliven our hearts and our minds. May we hear, may we see you. Father, please guide my words, my mouth. May everything that is said and done this morning be for your glory and for your glory alone. We ask this in the strong and powerful name of our Savior, Messiah, Jesus. Amen and amen. One Sunday morning, the congregation of a very, very ritzy church, a church with high vaulted ceilings and and hand-carved oak pews and stained glass windows and plush carpets, the, the congregation had a bit of a stir as a man walked into the church. He walked up the aisle and sat right in the front, and he was dressed horribly. He had ripped pair of jeans on, a flannel untucked shirt. He had boots on, mud all over his boots. And there was immediately people beginning to write little notes that were sending them up to the pastor, that the pastor needed to address this as soon as possible. They were, they, were just, they were just aghast that someone would come into the church dressed like this. At the end of the service, the pastor met the man at the back of the church and thanked him for coming and asked if he enjoyed the worship service. The man says he enjoyed it very, very much. And the pastor said, well, listen, if, if you come back again, why don't you spend some time in prayer asking Jesus 
how you should dress the next time that you come to church. The man agreed. The next Sunday, sure enough, the man walked into the church, up the aisle, sat right in the front. Same pair of ripped jeans, boots with mud all over him. He had a different flannel shirt on this time. And the pastor spoke with him right away and said, did you have an opportunity to pray to ask Jesus what, what he thought you should wear to church? Man says, as a matter of fact, yes, I, I have. I, I did pray to Jesus. And, and Jesus told me that he didn't know what I should wear because he had never been in this church before. <laughs> this morning, we're going to talk about that very subject, how we meet and greet, how we connect and relate with every single person around us. We're going to go to a text in scripture that I think is just a perfect example. We've been involved in this series, we call it Rescued, and we've been learning about the what, like what is it that we're communicating? We talked about the gospel, creation, fall, sin, Jesus. We talked about big words like justification and sanctification. Last week, we moved from the what to the how. The how is you, okay, and me, but not you and and me alone, you with the word of God, you with the spirit of God as an instrument. We are to be open with one another and we're to be honest with one another, admitting our struggles and our weaknesses. Paul wrote, as we saw last week, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And we have to be real with one another and take the mask off. Like, who are you fooling? You're not fooling God. Be real, relate, connect, communicate. How are you and I to do this effectively? Where else to go? Then let's, let's learn from the very best. Let's learn from Jesus himself. In John chapter 4, we have a very, very familiar story before us. It is a simple story. It's straightforward. It's, it's how Jesus meets and, and connects, relates, talks to a woman who is in need of what? The same message that many people in our community are in need of. This woman is in need of good news, the gospel. We'll hear how this woman actually comes to salvation. And we'll see as the story concludes in verse 39 that, that from that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of this woman. Follow along with me. I'll pick it up in verse 1, John chapter 4, verse 1. Follow along as I read. 1 to 29, and then through, and then verse 39. For when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was, was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he came to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. 
for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For, for Jews have no dealings, no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us the well and he drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go Call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband for you have had five husbands. And the one that you have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I I perceive that you are a prophet Our our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit And in truth, for the father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When he comes, he would tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Down to verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. I um, am from Philadelphia and I say the word water instead of water. And it's repeated 57 times in this text. I will do the best that I can, okay? Just ease off. Let me, let me back up. Let me set the setting here just a little bit. This is early in Jesus's ministry. Um, chapter one, John chapter one, we know that Jesus is identified. John the Baptist sees him and says, what? Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Um, chapter one, Jesus chooses and calls his disciples. 
Uh, John chapter 2 is what? The first miracle, the wedding of Cana. Jesus turns water into wine. After that, he arrives in Jerusalem the first time and cleanses the temple, cleanses his temple. John chapter 3, we know that a Pharisee named Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. He knows all about Jesus. And he, and he asks the question, how, how can a man be born again? Some of the, the, the most well-known verses in all of scripture, Jesus responds, what? John chapter three, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son to come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, what? Might be saved through him. So this setting is Jesus has been on this evangelistic mission, evangelistic endeavor. By the time we get to chapter four, he is traveling. He's en route from Jerusalem. He's heading due north. He's on his way to Galilee, approximately a 70-mile journey. Halfway through the journey, about 35 miles in, it says what in verse 4? He had to pass through Samaria. Now, usually it's not a big deal. It's the shortest, most direct route. Everyone went through Samaria. There's a problem here, though, for many people, particularly the Jews. The problem is this. Samaria was filled with Samaritans. For many people, it was a problem. Uh, Samaritans were a racially mixed group. They were part Jew, okay, and part Gentile. They were mixed. Um, the, the Jews, the, the Jews, both, both Gentiles and Jews hated the Samaritans, but the Jews especially hated them. Matter of fact, the Jews would actually cross over the Jordan River, okay, go way out of the way, and they would go over further east to travel north just so they didn't have to go through. Because if they went through this area of Samaria, they would consider themselves unclean because they got close to those people. Think like, think of how, how racist, how, how sick and wrong that is. Bigotry. It's bigotry at its best. People thought like that. Thankfully, if you recall what? God so loved the world, which means every person. He loved the world so much that he sent his own son. His son's name was Jesus. Jesus, although he was Jewish, went, praise God, right through the middle of Samaria. He stops at a little town called Sychar. It says that he was wearied as he was from his journey. No doubt he's been walking or perhaps riding on the back of a donkey. It's dry and hot and dusty. He's tired. He just, he just stops and he sits down at a, at a well-known place. It's called Jacob's Well. It was a deep well, which means he knows that the, 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 the water would have been really, really cold. And he just wants a drink. His disciples had left him. He had, they had gone into town to buy some food. It says, it says it's about the sixth hour. That means it's noon time. It's 12 o'clock noon. It says what a woman from Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said, give me a drink. At first glance, in all honesty, you're like, well, there's not like a whole lot to this story. There's really no big deal here. A thirsty traveler stops and asks for some water. 
But what, as the text reveals, it's just not that simple. It's just not that simple. Not in that day, not in that time, not in that place. Because the woman says, why is it that you, a Jew, whether or not it was the way he was dressed, his accent, she immediately knew that he was Jewish. Why is it that you, a Jew, ask what? Ask for a drink from a woman from Samaria. Number one, Jesus connects with a person that others would cast off. As we continue to embark on this series of how we, in a sense, what? Cut into the community with the good news of the gospel. We must learn to do exactly the same thing. We must do the same. Jesus connects with a person that other people would just cast off, would write off. Woman from Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Well, we, we know that, okay, first there's this whole like Jew, half Jew, Samaritan thing going on. We know that that exists. It's like the Hatfield and McCoys, North and South. It's like Eagles Steelers, okay, East, West. There, there's this thing going on. But then there's something else here to this story. Hear me on this. No one, no one, but no one goes to the well, Jacob's well, to get a drink at this hour. This is the time that no one is to be there. It's noon. You ever, you ever been in a Middle Eastern desert before? Um, I have. And as a matter of fact, the only time I've ever been in a Middle Eastern desert was at this location right here en route from, from Jerusalem heading north to Galilee. Middle of the day, it is hot. Let me tell you that from experience. There's, there's a reason that this particular woman was going to the well at noon, and this is the reason. She did not want to see anyone else. She was hoping that no one would be there. Why? Because this woman was an outcast. Let me give you a little hint here. The little town, Sychar, is not a New York City. Actually, Sychar would be more like a Lock Haven, Pennsylvania in many ways. Small town, what? News gets around. And we hear that all the time. We read in verse 18, and Jesus revealed that there, there was a situation going on here with this particular woman. It says what? That she had been married multiple times. As a matter of fact, five times. And she's actually, at this particular time in her life, living with what? A sixth man who is not even her husband. What is this woman? She is living in adultery. I want to be careful with how I describe this. This is a woman who has been passed around from man to man to man to man, like a piece of property. No, no doubt her feelings of value, her feelings of self-worth were obviously pretty low. Thus, the reason she's coming to just get water at a time when she was hoping that no one would see her, that no one would be there. Interesting as well is that this is really a servant's task, which means what? She doesn't have any servants. If she doesn't have any servants, she's probably on the, the, the socioeconomic, the, the lower end. She's a poor woman. 
It's interesting to note if you go back to John chapter 3, Nicodemus, remember wealthy Nicodemus, a Pharisee, came to Jesus at night. He didn't want other people to see him talking to Jesus. And, and word had got around about Jesus. He had been what? He just turned water into wine. People heard about the miracles of Jesus and the influence and the impact. This particular woman, she has no clue who Jesus is. This woman, she has seen none of the miracles. She's heard nothing about Jesus. She, she doesn't know anything about even what we would use the term in our world. She, she knows nothing about religion at all. Right, Jesus even said to her, what, you don't know what you worship. There's a term that we would use in our culture today. She is religiously indifferent. Isn't it interesting, if you were to, to talk to most people, if you were to, to poll, if you were to ask questions, people just, just around us, in Little Castanilla and Lock Haven and, and, and Woolrich, and Mill, if you were just to ask people, like, tell me about your religious background, belief system, what is your view of Jesus? I think that you would agree with me. The majority, the overwhelming majority of people, the response would come back some way indicating that they are religiously indifferent. Yeah, yeah, I heard of Jesus before. Isn't that why we have Christmas? Wasn't Jesus a good guy? He was a prophet, he claimed to be. People's knowledge, okay, a lot of people, they didn't grow up like in Sunday school with little lessons. And so they are completely, they're like this woman. We live in a town of people that are religiously indifferent, have no idea. Jesus that we just sang about, they have no idea who he is. Now we need to look and we see the glory of Christ on display. And I want us this morning, I want it to, to matter. I want us to learn from Jesus how we approach people in our community who are completely indifferent to the gospel. Number one, we learn to, to, to connect with people that others would simply walk by, who would be outcasts, would be less than, lower than. According to who? You and your measuring stick or mine? Secondly, Jesus communicates the gospel by using something that is easily understood. Jesus communicates the gospel by using something that is easily understood. Let me emphasize what we're to learn how to do this. We are to do the same, which means we are to seek to communicate the full weight and truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, difficult what words, big words that, that entail doctrinal thoughts and ideas like justification and sanctification and glorification. These are heavy stuff, but you don't lead with those terms and words. Look at how Jesus does this. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who is it that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The, the subject begins with water and he, he steers it to living water. Everyone who drinks of this water is going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, think of this, will never be thirsty 
again. Jesus is what? A weary traveler revealing and showing to us he is fully what? Human. He gets tired. He gets thirsty like you and I do. And yet, regardless of the fact that he's tired or thirsty, he is always on mission. Don't, don't you and I find like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm available from here to here. After that, sorry, I'm off the clock. No, no, that's not the way that Jesus is teaching us. He's always on mission. And he wants to turn the corner, okay? And it, it doesn't matter, Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter to Jesus. Rich or poor, it doesn't matter. Black, white, or brown, it doesn't matter. What? He understands that everyone, 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 everyone gets thirsty. Every single person needs water in order to live. It's pretty clear, like it's pretty known. It's like universal language. Water equals life. No water equals death. You don't need a PhD to figure this stuff out. And yet that's the tool, that's in a sense the approach that Jesus uses. As a matter of fact, if you go even just, 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 the, just the gospel of John, I was flipping through, and you look at what terms, what words Jesus uses in order to connect or relate Propitiation is a very important word when it comes to our doctrine, but you don't necessarily see Jesus use that word. I didn't read of vivification and mortification, important. But, but what, a couple chapters later, John chapter 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Who, who, whoever comes to me shall never hunger. I, I think we kind of get water. We kind of get bread. It's pretty simple. A couple chapters later, John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness. This is pretty simple stuff here. Water, bread, lights, like we get that stuff. It's universal. Look at what else. John chapter 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. But the only way, later in that same chapter, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. Now, now, for you and I, shepherd and sheep, but certainly for that culture, in that context, everyone understood the role of a shepherd. Jesus says, I'm that one. John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. John chapter 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever imbibes in me and I in him bears much fruit. Did you like see what's going on here? This is just one God. This is just the gospel of John. Bread, light, door, shepherd, way, vine. This is simple, clear, concise word pictures. They're analogies, they're metaphors. That, Ju- that Jesus uses to, to illustrate, but he does it with purpose that people would understand very complex truths, but they understand it in a very, very simple way. Not a lot of talk here of denominational distinctives. Okay, not a lot of talk here about religious terms and, and floaty language. I'm not saying that we don't need to study at all. We do need to study. 
But we're talking about what? People who are religiously indifferent. We don't need to use the deep theological and doctrinally heavy words. And yet somehow what happens as I've talked to people and they are what? They are completely clueless of who Jesus is. It's not, it's not like they've never heard of Jesus before. It's that they've heard of Jesus and that people oftentimes have complicated something and they've actually, what, they've brought more confusion to people as opposed to clarity and a clear view. It's not that complicated. There is what, there is theological truth that Jesus is teaching. There's lots of it, but it is always, always, always to present it in a way that people hear it, they know it, and they understand it. Jesus is not here to impress people with his knowledge, and he has lots of knowledge. Omniscient, he is all-knowing. He knows everything, like you, like as brilliant as you are, sorry, compared to, measured to, you know nothing. Jesus knows everything. And it comes down to something so basic that his number one concern is that he wants spiritually lost people to be found. People that are wandering, he wants them brought in close and safe. That, that's what he wants. Jesus, his mission, he wants sick people healed. He wants blind people to see. He wants hungry people to be fed. He wants thirsty people to be given a drink. But he's not just talking about any bread. He's not just talking about any water. Just like our goal, our goal as a church, okay? Yes, we offer people stuff who come to us who are in need. And we will offer them like literally physically, here's well, here's a bottle of water. You're thirsty. We offer that to you. Later on this afternoon, we're downstairs. The, the college kids and the, the high school students are packing boxes up for Samaritan's purse. Operation Christmas Child, and they put everything in here, and I can put a toothbrush and some toys in and everything, and on the top of every single box, there's, there's a message that is a very clear presentation of the gospel. Why? We don't want people just to have, like, clean teeth. That's not the goal. We don't want little kids just to have what? The, the, the basic things. We don't want people who have full bellies, people who are what? They're not thirsty, but they die and they go to hell. That's why the social gospel is not what we're about. Yes, we offer needs, but that's not the, that's not the mission of the church. We offer needs with a purpose so that we, we give them what? Everlasting life. Living water. Bread of life. That what we do is that we always, always offer what? Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the solution. Yet, even as Jesus is talking this with this woman, he begins to turn the corner. He goes from water to living water. Notice that she doesn't, like she's not following him completely. And, and she asks this question, you, you have nothing to draw water with and the well's deep. Like she's, she's noticed that she's not like, she's not picking up on the message yet. 
And so she's like, well, like, how are you supposed to get into the well? Because you didn't bring the bucket. And she's kind of stuck on that. Does Jesus get like frustrated with her? Like, come on, it's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about what's in the well. I'm talking about me. Does he get frustrated with her? Like you and I sometimes get frustrated or impatient with someone. Like we've, we've presented it. I don't know what they're. I don't know what they're thinking. Like he doesn't. He's he stays on task, and he patiently, patiently stays on message. Thirdly and finally, Jesus concentrates on the solution and not the problem. Jesus concentrates on the solution, not the problem. We are to do the same. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I think it's it's very easy for us to see people who are living in contradiction to this word. That woman, okay, was living in contradiction to this word. She was living in sin. She was living as an adulteress. So it's very, very easy for us to see people out in the world who are living in contradiction to the word of God, to the ways of God, to the will of God. It's very easy for us to, to then what see them as our enemies, as, as some way that they are somehow bad People, I I, I just, I just can't believe that 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 man would have an affair. Like, how could he do that? It's totally wrong. I I can't believe that woman had an abortion. I can't believe that that, that, that kid's gay. I can't, can't believe what, that they were actually in jail. They must be bad. They're like bad people. Hear me on this. Hear me on this. They're not bad people out there. Blind. Are lost. That's all. We focus what? Like Jesus on the solution, not the problem. Jesus clearly, clearly sees the world as our mission field, not as our enemies. And I don't know if we have, as, as a church, we have individuals, as individuals, have, have really grasped that. I still think it, it's like, like us and them. No, that's our mission field. And he concentrates on the solution to sin. And the only solution to sin, what does he do? He is the savior. He doesn't focus on the sin itself. He shows concern for this woman. And this, this woman is wondering, if, if nothing else, then the fact that he should ask for this, there's a sense of kindness here. The, 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 the pride of the Jews, they would go out of their way. They would endure hardships, what, rather than be beholden to a Samaritan. And Jesus uses this opportunity. He uses this occasion to teach this woman about divine things, about eternal matters. Look with me again at verses 13 and 14. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Notice Jesus completely waves the, the objection of the feud between Jews and Samaritans. He's just, he just, he just, he's not going there. Like what's the purpose? He takes no notice of it. Do you realize this, that some 
of the differences that exist in our world are best healed by avoiding the arguing about it. I'm not talking avoidance, okay, for all things. I'm talking about the fact that if we're trying to connect and relate, it's actually healed. We accomplish more by, by not arguing. Dispute like what? Dispute why? So you win? You, 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 you argue with this person so that you can be right? And because you've argued with this person, obviously you've lost the opportunity to share the gospel, the good news with them. Christ will convert this woman, not by showing her that the whole Samaritan worship is schismatical, is, 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 is what is dissension, is wrong. He doesn't focus on that, although it was wrong. What she was doing, it was wrong. But he just, what, brings to light. You, you don't know what you worship. Brings to light her immoralities. He brings to light her need for a savior. I I honestly think that some Christians, many Christians, are more concerned about being right with the person that they're talking to than they are concerned about the eternal destination of the person that they're talking to. Did you hear me on that? I, I think that most of us are more concerned about being right And we are about the eternal destination of the person that we're talking to. Listen to this woman's response, sir, give me this water. I want it. And then she makes the statement so that I will not have to come here to draw water. Like, I I want this, but she's still stuck with what's in the well. She still, in a sense, doesn't get it. Is Jesus frustrated? Is Jesus impatient? Does he drop his hand? Forget it. You're not getting this. I'm out. No, he doesn't do that. Not in the least. He makes a statement. He says, well, go and, and call your husband. He knows exactly what's going. And there's this brief dialogue that ensues that assures her that, that this man that she's talking to is not like just some thirsty guy. And it's very clearly revealed that this is the one. And Jesus begins to lift her eyes from the subject of the actual H2O, the actual word. He begins to lift her eyes from, from the well itself to what? To true worship. Those who worship, worship in spirit and in truth, and the light slowly begins to go on. Things begin to brighten. And it's that aha moment right here. I, she says, I, I know, I know. She's heard from somewhere. There, there's, a, there's a Jewish connection here, Jews who are still looking for the Messiah. So she said, yeah, I, I know that Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And the light bulb goes on. He just told me all things. He just told me about my whole life and my background. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And it goes what? It goes from like partially, like the light beginning to go on. It goes totally bright. And she gets it. She hears and she understands and she knows this is him. He just told me about my life. He told me about my sins. He told me my need for a savior and that the one sitting in front of me is the solution. He 
is the living water that I need. He is the living water that I long for, that I thirst for. And finally, and I think this is in all honesty, my favorite part of the entire story. The next verse, so the woman left her water jar and went away into the town. Like she came here for one reason. Okay, she came because like she needed some water back. At, and, and she just left it. She is so overwhelmed. She's so captivated with who she has just met and who she has just trusted that she leaves the water jar and goes into the town and says, can this really be the one? Rhetorical question. And we know that by the time you get to verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of this woman's testimony. We go full circle. We go full circle here because this woman has followed, put her trust in Jesus, the Savior. She can't be silent about it. And somehow, somehow, that's where we get stuck. We're like content to follow, but we're not telling people. We're just not doing that. That's what we need to be doing. This is a, this is a pretty clear, I mean, if we're going to learn how to do evangelism, if we're going to learn how to what, take the, this good news into the, let's learn from like the best. And let's apply that. Let's trust Jesus. What? To lead us as we tell others about Jesus, we have a big job to do. I am fully confident. I am fully confident that with the word of God and the spirit of God, we can do this and we can do this job well for his glory. Father, we love you. And we just pray, Lord, that if there's a person that's even hearing this uh, word at this very moment and they, they, Lord, have not, they have not trusted, that, that they have not taken a, a drink of the living water. There's people who think that their, their, their goodness, that their cuteness, that their personality is going to get them to heaven. Lord, please open their eyes. Open all of our eyes to see our own sin and our desperate need for a Savior. And we thank you, Lord, that you sent your own Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish of everlasting life. Speak to us in the minutes to come as we sing about you. Speak to us throughout the rest of this day that we would know the full truth of the good news and share that with others. In your name we pray. Amen.